Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, this is Sam Matterface and welcome to the Game Day Premier League podcast from TalkSport where we look ahead to all the midweek games in the Premier League in the company of TalkSport's commentator Alex Crook as the leaders go six points clear at the top of the table as they produce a Boxing Day bonanza of goals. Let's focus on the three o'clock kickoffs, though here on Game Day Live on TalkSport. We're going to take you around the grounds already. Odegaard finds Saka inside the area, right-hand side, tries to get a shot away, it's in! Bakaya Saka! Manchester City won, Leicester City nil. Kevin De Bruyne on five minutes. A flying start from the home team. West Ham 2, Southampton 2 and well maybe Boxing Day is for goals which is an absolutely terrific goal by the way. There's another goal. Get a load of this at the Etihad. You know if it gets to uh, 4-4 or 5-4 it's going to be one of the best games we've ever seen on a Boxing Day and it's definitely living up to this hype now. An astonishing game of football. Manchester City 4 Leicester City 3. 74 minutes gone. Tottenham 3, Crystal Palace nil. Doesn't look like we're going to have some of the excitement at the other games because this game is all wrapped up. There's another one here at the London Stadium. I do not believe what we're witnessing on game day live. West Ham 2, Southampton 3. It's a lovely, lovely whipped in free kick from James Ward-Prowse and Jan Bednarek for the third time this afternoon has headed Southampton in front. Manchester City 6, Leicester City 3 and Raheem Sterling has just added the sixth goal for the home side. And here's Odegaard looking for Pepe inside the box puts it across to the far post and Smith Rowe makes it five the top scorer for Arsenal it is still Lukaku and Lukaku has been caught by Conte and it's a penalty Jorginho skips and scores no mistake once again from him the points are safe for Chelsea Aston Villa one Chelsea three Brighton two Brentford nil Anything Leandro Trossard can do, Neil Mopay can match it as well. The two cities steal the show, but it's a quick turnaround for both, and it doesn't get any easier for Leicester City, who have to take on Liverpool just 52 hours after the end of their nine-goal thriller at the Etihad. Palace and Norwich look for respite after being thrashed by the North London pair of Tottenham and Arsenal. Fresh from the first win in seven, Saints look to end Conte's unbeaten run, and West Ham look to bounce back at Watford. Arteta turns his gunners on Wolves. Oh, no, that's gone. And there's action on Wednesday and Thursday night too. The ultimate preview to all the festive action from TalkSport. It's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Aye, aye, Crookie, you're all right? Trevor hasn't turned up, so it's just me and you this morning. Obviously, you had a very good Christmas. I'd love to know what his excuse is. Well, it's not just me and you. It's me, you, and my little Matterface elf. Uh, right, okay. uh, we haven't been able to see each other too much in person over Christmas, so I've got no? this little guy. Just to remind me of your little Aww. face, and actually, producer Lucy says not only uh, are you two similar 
in stature, but he does have your face as well. Look, there he is. He's even got a slightly <laughs> he, big nose. Yeah, he's got he's got my fake nose. Uh, brilliant, <laughs> fantastic. Um, I, I, obviously, I should put this out there first of all. I've tested positive, so I'm isolating at the moment. I won't be commentating this week, which is really infuriating um, because, like you know, this is our busiest week of the season. We've got ten games and. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it means that I'm not going to do the two matches, the three matches that I was supposed to do uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Should they go ahead, by the way? Uh, but I suppose the main thing is to shut the door and sort of ride it out. Uh, luckily, every game this midweek that does go ahead is on Talk Sport. I had the pleasure of listening to Game Day live on Boxing Day because I was locked in, uh, which uh, was the first time, I think, in two decades that I hadn't gone to work on Boxing Day. Uh, but yeah, Trevor Sinclair was working, which is probably why he's not. Not here today, because he had such a tough time watching Aston Villa against Chelsea at 5.30. It would have been a late night for him getting back about 9 o'clock. <laughs> Whereas I was at the Amex for what actually was a ridiculous kickoff time, really. So many empty seats. You texted me during the game and said, is it people staying away because they're scared about COVID? There might be a small element of that because there were a lot of empty seats, I think, as well in the game at the London Stadium between West Ham and Southampton. Yeah, I noticed that, Outside the capital, there's no public transport on Boxing Day. The Amex is a fantastic venue, but not the easiest place to get to uh, without the use of the train. I know Brighton did their best. They laid on extra park and ride, actually uh, threw open the director's car park uh, to fans as well. But it definitely impacted attendances. And it's a shame because it was a really good performance from Brighton. We had two fantastic goals at the end of the first half. Yeah, we should touch on the uh, Boxing Day fixtures before we get into the preview for the uh, rest of the week because uh, the pick of the bunch clearly was at the Etihad Stadium. Manchester City's 6-3 win over Leicester saw eight different scorers. Only Spurs 4, Arsenal 5 in November 2004 has seen more different scorers in a single game. It was also the first time this season that Arsenal and Tottenham had won on the same round of Premier League fixtures. Um, what were your highlights from, from, from the weekend? I thought it was great to see Lukaku back and contributing like Lukaku can. Granted, he's just recovering from COVID and can only play 45 minutes, but the way he out-muscled and out-positioned Konza to win the penalty for the third and the movement for the header, absolutely exquisite. Yeah, there were some great forward displays, actually. I thought Harry Kane probably produced his best performance of the season. Mm. Lukaku, as you say, great to see that raw strength uh, that won him the, the penalty for what proved to be the decisive goal. Armando Broja uh, doing similar for Southampton. And Neil Mopay, it was, it was inevitable that he would score against his old club. He doesn't score from six yards, but he can <laughs> half hit one from 20. He can indeed. We should talk about that thrashing by Manchester City. I thought they were absolutely exquisite uh, in the game. Some of the goals were brilliant, especially in the first half. Second half, they switched off a little bit and allowed Leicester uh, back into the game. Very different game after half-time. We'll get to that when we're talking about Leicester in just a few moments. So Arsenal won won't be playing in midweek this week because Wolves have had a COVID outbreak. The game between Leeds and Aston Villa has also gone. Um, are you concerned slightly that the keep the show on the road policy will impact on the fairness and integrity of the league? Because Leeds or Aston Villa, or Leeds and or Aston Villa, may well benefit from playing this fixture with newer signings later in the year. Yeah, and actually it's been mentioned to me by a couple of clubs at the bottom that, that Burnley will be in a, a similar situation. I mean, lost a few of their games and they'll be able to to play those rearranged fixtures now, possibly uh, with new signings. And so that's assuming the Burnley owners uh, will loosen the purse But they strings. will have Maxwell Cornet back probably from yep. injury, which is a major difference to not go through the, the Christmas period with a talisman missing like that. Agreed. And, and actually, I think the integrity has already uh, been questioned because the wording of the, of the statements for the most recent postponements has certainly changed. They are yeah. now taking injuries into account. Yeah. Well, we were told that that wouldn't be the case. And 
you know, they, they, they obviously accepted the, the request they had um, from Wolves to call off this game on Tuesday, um, from Everton quite late in the piece at the weekend. But they rejected a request from Crystal Palace, which I think was the right decision, by the way, because you look at the team that Crystal Palace yeah. put out, one alteration from their previous Premier League lineup. So I, I agree with that decision, but injuries should not come into it. Um, a quick word on uh, the Everton game in midweek because they're due to play in midweek, aren't they? Against Burnley, I think. And and as a result of that, you must that must be in doubt, mustn't it? Because if they've had a game cancelled on Sunday, the idea of them playing on I think it's Thursday or Wednesday or whenever it is is, is unlikely, isn't it? Yeah, especially Thursday, seven thirty Thursday. Yeah, especially when you look at the fact the Leeds game has already been called off, so they're in the same situation that that Everton were. So, yeah, I think that one uh, is in doubt. I did check in with Crystal Palace yesterday, um, somebody on the coaching staff, and said, look, because they've lost Zaha now to suspension, that's another absentee. Is your game going to go ahead? He said, at at the moment, it will go ahead as planned. The caveat was uh, these things can change. So I think it is a a constantly evolving situation. I'm looking ahead already now, Sam, uh, to the end of January when there is scheduled to be uh, an unofficial, if you like, winter break in the Premier League. I wonder now if that may be scrapped and we try and get some of these postponed games into that slot. It it would seem logical, but then the Premier League don't often deal in logic. Good job I didn't uh, end up booking that trip away that I was expecting to do at the end of January. Although, listen, I've had had three or four days off work this week now and I've, I've already had enough. I couldn't wait to get up this morning and start getting ready for the, for the pod. I know that sounded really Christmas grinchy, but I don't like not working. It's a nightmare. And again, the, the eight o'clock kickoff seemed attractive to me yesterday because it meant I didn't maybe have to check myself so much uh, in terms of the Christmas Day festivities. But I got to about one o'clock and I just found myself pacing up and down the front room. <laughs> I just wanted to go to a game. Well, lucky enough, there was quite a bit of pace about the game day live show on Sunday with Adrian Durham. It was brilliant. There were so many goals. It was fantastic. Let's hope the midweek uh, gives us the same sort of offering. We do expect to have eight more festive treats under our tree. So let's start with Super Tuesday. Game day here, bringing you the very best of the action in the Premier League. It's always a thriller with Talk Sport. Gallagher trying to make room for a shot. He's done it again. Conor Gallagher, superb footwork. Does it by Pukki, deflected it in. Maybe that's the break that Norwich needed. It's Ward-Prowse who curls it right-footed. Oh, oh, it's absolutely special. That is vintage James Ward-Prowse. Picked on by Kane, and Harry Kane has done it. Alsar again with a break into the penalty area. Fires in the shot. Oh, what a goal for Ismaili Asar. Now Bowen with the left-footed effort into the corner, and West Ham a level. The ball's played by Madison into the area, and here's Vardy with an effort across the goalkeeper and in. Out of harm's way as far as Salah. 3-0 to Liverpool unstoppable shot by Mo Salah Christmas is about family and that includes you the TalkSport family We do have all of the games this week live on TalkSport, the TalkSport app and TalkSport 2. Uh, Leicester against Liverpool is arguably the pick of the bunch. Ian Danter will be commentating on this one now for us. Uh, Liverpool scored three goals against Leicester last week without Salah and Mane. How many will they get against them this week? Bearing in mind they conceded six against Manchester City on Boxing Day, Crook. Yeah, that second half performance from Leicester, as you put it, the way that Manchester City switched off, which I know infuriated Pep Guardiola, probably 
uh, gave the game a little bit of an unfair scoreline. I mean, Manchester City absolutely blew them away in the first 25 minutes. Again, I know Leicester have got defensive issues, but you look at Yannick Vestergaard, that was the Yannick Vestergaard that Southampton fans came to know and love, as opposed to one that performed so well for Denmark at the European Championships. He had an absolute nightmare uh, the back. So you do fear for Leicester. And as you say, <laughs> they managed to find a way to lose to Liverpool's B team um, in the League Cup. I'm sure those scars are still raw. Uh, and Liverpool, again, have benefited from not playing at the weekend. They'll be fresh. They might have one or two of their absentees back. I think it could be another difficult afternoon for Brendan Rodgers, evening yeah. for Brendan Rodgers, I that, should say. That Leicester defence consisted of Luke Thomas, who really struggled against Riyad Mahrez. It's OK, pal, because Mo Salah's coming next. Uh, Yannick Vestergaard, uh, who, let's face it, was brought in as backup, really. Daniel Amati, who only ever seems to appear for games against Manchester City, and then we don't see him for a whole year. Uh, and Mark Brighton, who is not a right-back, and it's pretty evident. I mean, he played better at right-wing-back, and actually, he did OK in the game against Liverpool when he came off the bench earlier in the week. But you must you must ask the question, how fit exactly were Ndidi, Vardy and Castagna to be left on the bench? Well, it's a strange one with Jamie Vardy, because we know he's at the veteran stage of his career, but... People will tell you that he's probably in better shape now than he ever has been. But certainly this season, there has been a rotation uh, when it comes to him, whether that is to protect him from the, the, the sort of muscular injuries that he has been known to pick up, or if it's just a way of trying to get game time for the likes of Pats and Dacca uh, and Ian Acho, only Brendan Rogers will know. I, I guess the one positive, and it's maybe the one positive of their season so far, because it has been underwhelming for the Foxes, is the continued impressive form of James Madison. He was certainly a, a crucial part of their revival and he's being talked about now as a contender for the World Cup at the end of next year. I think he's still got a bit to do to convince Gareth Southgate, but certainly he is in tip-top condition right now. Yeah, I mean, look, Liverpool had a bit of a rest because of the game uh, against Leeds being postponed. And prior to that, some of the big hitters had missed out against Leicester in the Cup, so that could be a benefit to them. But Leicester only had 28% of the ball against Manchester City. They still had 14 shots. We're a different animal, as we mentioned after half-time. They will cause Liverpool one or two issues, and when they do, they usually cause them via James Madison, whose run of form, as you've already pointed out, has been terrific. And that Liverpool defence hasn't looked particularly stout over the course of the last few weeks. No, I think there'll be goals in, in this game. I'm not predicting a, another 6-3. And we should mention, actually, that certainly the 3 o'clock kickoffs on Boxing Day had the look of a, a 1970s uh, Boxing Day list when, of course, players were known to... Hold on, the cliche is 1963, Crook. The cliche is 1963. That's the highest score in Boxing Day. You've got to remember that. Because people well, always tweet know, it out on Boxing Day. You know me, I don't talk in cliches. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, th I think there will be goals. I think it may well be the pick of the, the midweek fixtures, but I would still on the side of Liverpool to win I think what you also see at this this time of the year when there's games every two days is that the teams with the deepest squads the top teams tend to come out on top and I think that'll be the case again Got any advice for Brendan Rodgers about zonal marking bearing in mind that uh, they've now considered 12 goals this season from set pieces I mean even with the issues they've had in defence that's got to be better hasn't it? But that's not a new problem. I mean, our football editor, uh, a big Leicester fan, anybody who follows him on Twitter would know that. He's been screaming about their vulnerability from set pieces at least since the start of last season. I mean, it's the, that is the old cliche, the sign of madness if you, is if you make the same mistake time and time again. Clearly nobody has relayed that one to Brendan Rodgers and his Leicester uh, coaching team. You do wonder who is working with that defence. I know they've got Colo Torre on the staff, so one would assume it would be him. I wonder if they need to join the, the growing list of Premier League clubs who have a specific uh, set-piece coach, because certainly it's, it's a problem. 
AFCON players uh, don't have to meet up now until after the weekend. It, it, I suppose that's good news for both these two sides, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and particularly uh, particularly Liverpool um, with the forward players. Um, that is going to be intriguing in, in January, how they're going to cope with the loss of, of Sadio Mane and, and Mo Salah. But they've known all along about the African Cup of Nations. And actually, I was quite encouraged by the comments of Patrick Vieira in midweek saying that this tournament needs to be treated uh, with the same respect as a European Championship because it does mean right. um, as much in Africa. If you sign an African player, there's, there's no point in moaning about it. Just get on with it and go and let them try and represent their country and, and try and win what is the biggest prize in African football outside the World Cup. It's not it's not a secret, is it, that the African Cup of Nations takes place every two years in January and early February. I mean, that's that's the way it's always been. It's, do you know what? I've covered quite a few for ITV4 over the course of... Uh, uh, the last few, well, uh, going back a few years, but it was brilliant. It was great fun as well. I don't understand why, um, one, we don't show more of it, and two, um, we don't uh, understand, well, we don't plan for it, which is a bit strange. But anyway, uh, Southampton against Tottenham, Talk Sport 2 on uh, Tuesday, 3 o'clock, a rare Saints win at West Ham on Boxing Day. But a glance at the data that Opta were pushing out, it was a bit of a smash and grab raid from the Saints, wasn't it? Rare for them not only to win, but to score three goals, especially seeing as Saints XG in this game, Crook, was 1.25. Ralph Harson, who till after was describing the uh, performance as brave. Uh, so I wonder whether or not uh, he's suggesting that they were a little bit fortunate to come away uh, with all three points. Yeah, probably. And it was a classic Saints game in, in many ways. They, they took the lead uh, heading into half time. They got pinned back. They took the lead again. They got pinned back. And we've seen it so many times. And we, uh, under Ralph Harson, who uh, the number of points they've tossed away from winning positions and it looked like that might be happening again so I think uh, great testament to their character to to find a way to win the game wonderful delivery from James Ward-Prowse for the winning free kick and Jan Bednarek actually uh, ending his own hoodoo because I think I mentioned it to you before he scored I think four previous Premier League goals for Southampton all of them coming in 3-2 defeats, which must be some kind <laughs> of 1-3-2 so, this time, amazing. Exactly, so nice for him to be on the right side of history. And a significant win for Southampton. They were in no kind of form going into that game. They've got a nice buffer now between them and the bottom three, and I think it's a lot more optimistic uh, heading into a new year. On the flip side, West Ham United's form has completely tailed off. I don't think we're really talking about them in, in the conversation when it comes to Champions League anymore, unless they can find a way to win and get back on winning ways quickly, they might not even be part of the conversation for the top six because you look at the way that Tottenham and Arsenal are performing at the moment. They're the outsiders for European football next uh, season. Let's not get too excited. We'll talk about uh, West Ham in just a second. They play uh, Watford. Um, Saints were without a win in six. They never seem to take anything from West Ham, but they come up against a different animal on Tuesday night uh, against Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham certainly on the up where West Ham have been a side that have been stumbling recently. Um, and we mentioned on Thursday's pod, and you've already said about his display on Sunday, Harry Kane and his statistics were suggesting an uptick in form. And so it has proved. He ran the show down at St Mary's last season when he created four goals for Hyungmin Son. I mean, is it likely to, he will have a big contribution this uh, Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, I think so. I think he looked fitter. He looked sharper. Um, he looked more focused than he has done at any point in this season so far. I do think there's been a hangover, uh, maybe from both 
being the losing captain in a European Championship final, but also, and probably more pertinently, the, the transfer saga involving him and Manchester City. But six games now, Antonio Conte has had in the Premier League, four wins, two draws. Yeah. They do look a different animal. They, they look like um, they're, they're more cohesive uh, as a unit. They're certainly more defensively resolute. And as a result of that defensive solidity, they look a bit more confident going forward now. I thought Lucas Moura uh, was exceptional as well. Uh, the partnership between Son and Harry Kane was bubbling nicely. So this is a difficult game for Southampton. I think what it has given us now is a really intriguing battle for fourth place. When you look at the former Tottenham and Arsenal, we're recording this podcast before Manchester United take the field against Newcastle. I've just got a suspicion that they too might have benefited uh, from the COVID outbreak in terms of more game on the training ground. And we're going to see a different Manchester United at St. James's Park as well. I really hope that me and my little elf friend haven't jinxed that game. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on as well. Don't worry, we've got a good Manchester United chat coming uh, towards the end of the pod. Um, Watford against West Ham, three o'clock TalkSport app. Uh, Mikel Antonio's return off the bench, probably a big thing for, for David Moyes. More importantly, actually, he scored a goal, which he hadn't done for a while. Uh, he was unhappy about um, some of the refereeing decisions. He was ha- unhappy about some of the uh, uh, the sort of bad fortune which is going against him. But, I mean, it, you know, some of the luck was of their own making. I mean, the defending for, for the uh, the Bednarek goal, the Dawson challenge on Broja. I mean, it was, it was pretty silly, really. And they've had a problem with defenders too because they've had such uh, bad injuries. But it was interesting to hear from Mikel Antonio afterwards who said, actually, he doesn't think that physically it's been a problem them playing so often uh, uh, you know, this season because of the outbreak of uh, European football that they've had to deal with. So they're playing Thursday nights and Sundays quite often. He said, actually, mentally, it was more of a problem. Yeah, and listen, they're not experienced when it comes to balancing uh, playing domestic football with Europe as well. I still think it's an exciting second half of the season for West Ham. It's been a, a disappointing week, isn't it, with that League Cup exit and then compounded with a, uh, another loss in the Premier League. But I do think when the Europa League comes around again, if they can get some of those absentees fit, then they will be contenders to go deep into that competition. But the squad depth is the issue. And defensively, uh, without Cresswell without Ogbonna, without Zuma, uh, they do look a bit vulnerable. And I think that's going to be a problem all the time that those players are, are unavailable. Watford uh, haven't uh, played since the 10th of December. They've lost seven of their last nine games under Claudio Ranieri. How has that switch worked out, do you think? Because it looks to have sort of backfired, really. They, they've won two games, one against Manchester United and one against Everton. Both those teams at the time were under severe pressure. They've lost every other match. Yeah, it's no real surprise because I remember when we recorded the first podcast after Ranieri was appointed and we posed the question, was it Dilly Dong or Dilly Wrong? And I think all three of us, uh, yourself, Darren Lewis and I, came down on the, the side of Dilly Wrong. Obviously, they had that fantastic win uh, home to Manchester United, but United were shambles that day. That was more about the uh, the final days of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer reign than it was about Watford. Uh, going forward, they've got players who can hurt you. Clearly, Ishmael Assar has been... Um, a, a big absentee for them, but defensively um, has been a problem. And, and we know f- from history that Claudio Ranieri perhaps isn't the, the master tactician uh, when it comes to organising that back line. And, and I think West Ham certainly have the tools to hurt them going forward. Again, it will come down to if that uh, trio of attackers for Watford can expose West Ham's own vulnerabilities at the back. Should be a good game.
for this exclusive live and free Boxing Day Premier League commentary for you. Odegaard finds Saka inside the area, right-hand side, tries to get a shot away, hits in! Bakaya Saka gives Arsenal the lead! Graham Scott allowed play to continue with Tierney injured and my, how Arsenal took advantage! Puts it across to the far post and Smith-Rowe makes it five! It's another depressing afternoon for Canaries fans. 30 minutes into the game, we were fairly pleased. You know, in possession, I thought we were we were doing fairly well. We were getting good possession, you know, uh, without uh, threatening. But we were it was a, a solid start. Out of possession, I thought we were comfortable. But we know how strong Tottenham are on the counter-attack in particular. Um, and we got caught um, with that, which is disappointing for us. But... You know, I still felt that we could still get something out of the game despite the, the, the setback of conceding those two early goals. But of course, you know, when we go down to 10 men, then it was it was a really difficult afternoon after that. No, absolutely. You know, because I felt, you know, that in some of our combination play, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a, it's been, it's, everything's happened so quickly. So we're in this process of trying to create some sort of style and identity. And I think, I think we're, I think our fans have seen it. You know, we've now played We've now played Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea, the three elite clubs in, in our league and probably three of the, the massive biggest elite clubs in, in Europe as well. So that's been very encouraging, the fact that we've, we've stood toe-to-toe. Uh, interesting chat about Chelsea and Brighton to come and a player who's caught the headlines uh, that we're still not sure about in the Chelsea ranks and Manchester United, what they've been doing in the, the absence of any games to actually play. That's coming before the end of the podcast. A quick word on Crystal Palace Norwich, which is a three o'clock kickoff in the TalkSport app. Uh, Palace well beaten again, this time at Tottenham, but without Patrick Vieira on the bench because of COVID. And they did try to have this game chalked off at the weekend and they couldn't get it done. And I I think quite rightly so, because we've looked at the starting lineup. We think it's good enough to play a football match. I think most Palace fans would agree that that's maybe not their best team, but certainly it's not their worst team that they could put out either. It's not full of under 23s. One change, I think, from the previous game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them going forward. And I think we have to be a little bit stronger in terms of uh, if we're going to keep the season going, we've got to have clear rules and, and definitions about whether or not games are going to get called off. And, and Palace, they're denied the opportunity to have their game uh, chalked off. Uh, Arsenal played Norwich were excellent on Boxing Day, Arsenal. They ripped uh, them apart. Saka, Erdegaard, who's starting to show, and I hold my hands up here, I thought he was a peripheral figure and things were happening around him rather than through him. Uh, but he, he has produced brilliantly over the last few weeks. Three goals and three assists in his last six games. They're in fourth place going into the weekend, but they have played three more games than Spurs. But I want to focus on Norwich, who are Crystal Palace's opponents. Booed off at half-time, bottom, COVID ravaged, although when I looked at the lineup again, I wasn't entirely sure ravaged was the right description. And Angus Gunning goal hadn't played since conceding nine in a Southampton shirt in the Premier League and returned to concede five on his Premier League debut for Norwich. Uh, that didn't go particularly well for them, did it? 14 goals conceded in, in two games. That's not too bad, is it, for, for Angus Gunn? Um, if we're talking about games being called off because clubs can't field a Premier League calibre lineup. then uh, Norwich would never play a game, to be honest, because... I, I can't believe you've gone there. <laughs> well, well, they're dreadful, aren't they? You know, they've been dreadful since the first game of the season. They had a mini upturn, the final game under Daniel Farker in the first few matches under Dean Smith, and they looked like they were more organised defensively. 
that they don't have the quality of player going forward to score goals on a regular basis in the Premier League. In fact, if the boy Sargent scores more Premier League goals this season than you and me, Sam, I would be surprised. Uh, he has been an absolute howler of a signing. £8 million is a lot of money for a club like Norwich. He's just not Premier League quality. They're heading for the championship. They've got no chance of turning this around. I think they'll be relegated by February. Yeah, poor old Josh Sheldon. I think was at fault for the third goal as well. He didn't track Tierney, didn't realise. He's playing on the right-hand side of midfield. It's not his position. He didn't realise that Tierney had broken down that left-hand side. By the time he realised it was too late and Tierney had scored and put it in the corner and uh, it was all over. Um, okay, um, let's uh, get to a Wednesday night because there are some Wednesday winter warmers for you live on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Brighton 1, Brentford nil. This is a Boxing Day belter from Leandro Trossard. Long ball over the top from Enoch Mwepu. First time finish from Trossard, who spotted that Alvaro Fernandez, the Brentford goalkeeper, had come a long way off his line. He lifts it right-footed over the advancing stopper and into the bottom corner. A screamer from Leandro Trossard. Brighton 1, Brentford 0. Now Jorginho. Lukaku again makes the burst into the error. Hudson Odoi delivers the cross in. Lukaku's header, brilliantly done. Fantastic goal by Romelu Lukaku. It's his first in the Premier League for over three months. And once again, it has come against Aston Villa. And that was superb centre forward play. The movement and then the precise header into the far corner. And it's Aston Villa 1, Chelsea 2. And Jorginho will take his second penalty of the game. Deep into added time to seal three points here for Chelsea. Jorginho skips and scores. No mistake once again from him. The points are safe for Chelsea. on Wednesday, it's Chelsea against Brighton. And Chelsea back in the hunt, says the front page of the game from the Times this morning, their supplement. It's going to be difficult to track with all the games being moved and rescheduled in terms of who's in the title race, who's not in the title race, who's close, who's not. But keeping themselves in touch was really important for Chelsea this weekend. Uh, The sentiment in the front of the paper comes from the fact that Lukaku is back, which is key. It felt like a statement win um, for Chelsea, particularly as they'd have seen earlier in the day what Manchester City did uh, against Leicester City um, and Liverpool have clearly been outperforming Thomas Tuchel's men in recent weeks. Chelsea have been ravaged by injury and by COVID, but they're getting their players back now. And Lukaku is key, clearly key to that because they've effectively been playing uh, without a recognised striker in his absence. He actually looked a bit jaded for me in the games that he did play before his layoff. He looked much sharper yesterday, much fitter, much more powerful. So he is going to be a, a game-changing factor. I suppose the question with Lukaku will be, can he do it against their title rivals or or are we going to see that flat track bully accusation that certainly he had at, at Manchester United? I think Graham Potter will have been disappointed to see him come back and come back so strongly. <laughs> but Brighton are getting players back uh, as well. It looked a much, uh, much more balanced Brighton side against Brentford. They were very impressive in the first half. Towed off a bit in the second and actually uh, invited the bees back into the game, yeah. but they lacked a bit of punch to take advantage of that. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Chelsea will win the game. They should win the game, but Brighton have proved already this season by going up to Liverpool and coming back from 2-0 down that they won't be intimidated by anybody. Um, 
defensively, they've got some issues there, haven't they, Brighton? I mean, Dan Byrne played well in the game against uh, uh, Brentford, despite the fact that there's no Duncan Duffy alongside him. He played with Adam Webster, didn't he? Um, both missed that game, so I suppose it's encouraging they kept a clean sheet, even if Robert Sanchez had to make one outstanding uh, save. Whether they can keep Lukaku and co out is a different matter. Um, but I, Duffy was, will be back. It was a, a suspension, wasn't it, for, was for it? Duffy? So, so right. he'll be back. Okay, because he was talking... When I saw the interview beforehand and they asked him about Duffy and he said, well, we've got a mixture of injury suspensions and COVID and Duffy falls into that category. And I was like, well, <laughs> well which one is it? There's all three there. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi came back into the team for Chelsea again. I'm not sure where he fits in when everyone's fit. Uh, 18 games this season, two assists, three goals. Uh, sorry, two goals, three assists. Uh, he won the penalty, floated the crossing for Lukaku on Sunday, but missed two or three really good chances that could have been crucial to the game because there are points in the match where if Chelsea established a further lead, then the game's killed and, and finished. Actually, they didn't get their third goal until stoppage time. And as a result of that, there was a period where Aston Villa were threatening to try and get an equaliser in the game. So you, you need players in those moments to take chances. And it has been a problem for Chelsea that the other players, apart from Lukaku, when he hasn't been around, haven't taken chances. The only one who's really stepped up is Mason Mount, who's got a lot of goals recently. So... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I still. I'm still waiting to see Callum Hudson Odoi, the player that Chelsea was so desperate to keep hold of that they rebuffed an 80 million pound deal from Bayern Munich. Where is that? I, I haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's still to come, but I haven't seen it yet. And I think it's interesting you mentioned there that the lack of goals coming from midfield, Mason Mount aside, that's probably what sets Liverpool and Manchester City apart from Chelsea at this moment in time, the ability to get goals from all over the pitch. But I agree with you on Callum Hudson-Odoi. I know he's on a very healthy contract at Chelsea as well. They do seem to have a policy of maybe paying their young players a little bit over the odds. And at the moment, for me, he's not that player you can rely on to to change a game when it's tight and, and really come up with a big match-winning moment. Um, Jorginho reliable as ever from the penalty spot that seems to be Chelsea's best route to go he was the top Premier League goal scorer last season he's got six penalties in the Premier League alone this campaign Chelsea have had more penalties than anyone else in the league this season maybe that's the way that they're going to do their business um, now listen this is a great statistic this uh, pay attention because this is good for you because you are you doing Chelsea Brighton are you, are you doing that game no? Uh, not as far as I know at the moment. Oh. I'm, at, uh, hey. I'm at Crystal Palace. Hey, hey there's, there's going to be a few more games available, I'm afraid, over the course of this week. <laughs> um, I'm available for selection. <laughs> Brighton have only ever beaten Chelsea once in their history, right? That was in the FA Cup in 1933. Crikey. They Were have. You there? No, I wasn't there, funnily enough. Um, they have never even scored at Stamford Bridge. Never even scored at Stamford Bridge. True facts. There you go. That one. Uh, How many times they have played them though? Because we know that Brighton haven't been in the top Bridge. division very often. That's yeah. seven or eight. Stamford Bridge. Not. It's still yeah. quite a lot, really, isn't it? Without scoring, it's quite a drought. Um, mm. Anyway, what, what? You're not impressed with that statistic? That was semi. You, you, you've had better. I'm ill. Leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, 8.15, Brentford against uh, Manchester City is on Wednesday night as well. Manchester City conceded as many goals in 10 minutes against Leicester as they had in their previous eight league games. Uh, but Brentford should be easier to keep out, mainly because they seem to take a while to get cooking. As you mentioned, they only really got going towards the end of that game against Brighton. And when they do get going, they're very direct. Oof. They're the new Wimbledon, aren't they? I don't go over um, the top. Well, <laughs> 
how, you don't see too many long throw specialists in the Premier League, do you, in the modern era? Brentford have one um, in Madsbeck Sorensen. Um, and he does cause havoc, actually. One of those uh, opportunities they, they did create came for a long throw that Sanchez flapped at. And in the end, Kukurea made a quite incredible yeah. uh, goal line clearance, assisted by the fact I think he's got a massive afro. Uh, <laughs> if he had a crew cut, I'm not sure he would have been able to get back and and win that header off the line. But they are they are direct. They're, they're a handful to play against, but they do lack a little bit of subtlety. I think they're going to be grateful for getting their points on the board early in the season. I think it could be a long winter for Brentford. Uh, City will probably get a few goals, won't they? They have scored 28 goals in their last eight league games and 17 in the last three. That's pretty damn impressive. And on the uh, subject of Kukurea's haircut, obviously for him to get back quicker, a shorter haircut would help, wouldn't it, to be streamlined? Yeah, but I think he headed it away with the afro. Right, okay. uh, Foden and Grealish on the bench again for Manchester City at the weekend. Um, obviously, it doesn't really cause them that much of a problem because, as you said, because their squad is so deep, it means that they've got the ability to rotate and be um, selective with their choices. They can afford to discipline players and Guardiola can rule with an iron fist. Yes, he can. Um, and as we mentioned on the, the, the podcast heading into this uh, round of games, I think Jack Grealish has, has really let himself down there with his uh, latest off-field antics. And I think he might have to sit and sulk on the bench for a little while longer because the, the players that, that have come into the team have really stepped up. Raheem Sterling in, in particular, I think he's had a mixed 2021 uh, when it comes to his club form, but he does seem to have found the, the way to goal again and he's actually producing uh, consistently now some very impressive forms. I think it's difficult in particular to leave him out of the team. You have to find a way for uh, Bernardo Silva to play more often than not. Kevin De Bruyne now looks back to full fitness. And then you look at Rodri and Gundogan, very important as well. So it is hard for the likes of Gabriel Jesus, who was benched in the uh, the two on the naughty list, Foden and Grealish, to force their way back into the eleven. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as uh, Brentford are concerned, I, I, is there any lingering doubts about their participation in the Premier League next season for you? I don't think so, um, just based on the fact that they, uh, as a lot of newly promoted sides tend to do, came up full of momentum, full of adrenaline and got some points on the board early. They have spells, um, don't nine, they? Yeah, they're nine points clear uh, of the relegation places. I know Burnley have two games on hand against the Watford have got a game in hand as well, but actually Newcastle and Norwich don't. You can't see either of them making up a, a 10-point deficit. So I think they'll be okay but I think they'll finish a lot closer to the dotted line than maybe we would have expected six or seven weeks ago. OK, let's move on to Manchester United and Everton and Newcastle and Burnley are all taking part in Thursday's game. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 7.30 is Everton against Newcastle I suppose the big question uh, about Thursday's game between these two and it is Everton-Newcastle I think I said Burnley before uh, is will this game go ahead because bearing in mind Rafa said he had nine outfield players and about 17 goalkeepers on Sunday um, that, that is an issue isn't it you know whether or not this game takes place and my big question about the postponements is do the delays help Newcastle? Like they have done other teams. Ralph Halsington was saying that it helped Southampton actually the little break so they could reset, work on the training ground. Or does it hinder them because it means that they're going to have such a rush of games all in quick succession? I mean, the other facet is not only that Eddie Howe has been able to work with the current players that he's got on the training ground, it means that by the time that they play some of these games, they would have been able to utilise quite a lot of money if they want to, to bring in more players. So when it comes to the back end of the season, if the back end of the season is 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 backloaded, then I don't think Newcastle will be too upset about that. I think that's the key um, because they are going to try and spend some money in January. Kieran Trippier certainly is, is very high on that shopping list. I think Sven Botman uh, as well from Lille is a distinct possibility to come in and, and strengthen that back line. I know Newcastle were one of the clubs advocating for a, a possible circuit breaker at I the recent Premier League meeting. <laughs> so you can probably understand why that is the case. But it's, it's an interesting question when it comes to Everton because I think I'm right in saying that that game was called off on Christmas Eve, wasn't it? On Friday. Yeah. It's seven days in isolation now. So presumably they could have quite a few of those players back testing negatively by Thursday just because of the fact they are due to play on Thursday. Yeah, but Rafa has already pointed out you can't rush players back who've had COVID because then it is, you know, if you're making them play, it is the league's responsibility, their health and safety. And he's sort of made that pretty clear and quite stark. He dropped in a few little grenades there, Rafa Benitez, when he was in his press conferences. I'm not sure the Premier League are going to buy that, to, to be honest. Well, maybe they won't, but he, you know, he, he wasn't shying about coming forward. I think he had, you know, he mentioned a, he mentioned a few emotive terms. I thought during the during the press conference to sort of point out that if a player had a problem and they'd just been rushed back by COVID and you made us play them, then you know it's not our fault. Well, he's the master politician, isn't he, Rafa Benitez? He always has been, so it doesn't surprise me that he's going down that route. I I, I think the league will be keen to to get this game to go ahead as scheduled. Uh, well, we won't know what Everton to expect because we don't know who's had COVID and we don't know uh, how many of them will be back. But if they did go into isolation on Friday, then they won't be out till Friday again, I wouldn't have thought. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but either way, uh, it is uh, a bit of an issue for uh, Everton uh, going into the game against Newcastle. 8.15, it is Manchester United against Burnley. Burnley haven't played since the 12th of December. What sort of condition will they be in when they come back? I mean, it's an 18-day break without a match and we saw with, with Brighton actually there was a bit of ring rustiness about them 
at the at the weekend. How, how's it going to affect Burnley? That's a long time. Well, it can go either way, can't it? Because you say that Brighton were, were ring rusty. I didn't think they were in the, in the first half. Yes, they did tire a bit in the second, but Tottenham certainly haven't looked ring rusty since their break. It's True. almost like they've taken advantage of, of more time on the training ground with Antonio Conte. Just on the subject of Manchester United and fixture congestion, and I do think there is a, a little element of some clubs using this situation to their advantage to almost try and give themselves a, an unofficial winter break. Disappointed by Ralph Rangnick's comments over the League Cup. You know, this guy has only just got to, into the country. He's been here five minutes and he's already uh, putting his two penneth in um, about the, the fixture schedule and about the number of competitions that we play in English football. Stick to your own lane, pal. Don't interfere in, in what is a, a historic competition in its own right. But, and um, without wanting to uh, accede to his demands and playing devil's advocate, you have got to find a solution to this ridiculous situation of having too many fixtures in the calendar. There is too many fixtures, especially in our calendar, because we do have more competitions than everybody else. And that is a massive issue for our players. And, you know, you look at the the expansion of the UEFA competitions, the number of games that there have been and will continue to be over the next few years. You look at the number of international games and, more importantly, the more competitive international games because the Nations League has come in recently. You know... It, it is, and the idea of a World Cup every two years, absolutely balmy. Um, you, you're not getting a break. So either we need more footballers and more high-quality footballers and bigger squads and therefore bigger wage bills for football clubs, which I'm not sure they're particularly happy about taking on, or we do need to restructure the calendar. But I think the whole of the football world needs to come together and restructure the calendar because the calendar itself doesn't work. We've already mentioned about the Africa Cup of Nations and and the fact that it takes place at a time which actually causes European clubs a bit of a headache. Well, okay, Well, where, where, where can you fit it? Should there be a, an international window where you could have a World Cup or a, international tournaments all at the same time every, every, every year? But obviously, you know, the World Cup, the European Championships, the Africa Cup of Nations would take their turn in the queue. Um, I, I think they do need to sit down and work it out properly because at the moment, the calendar is an utter, utter mess. Oh, you can tell it's Christmas when Sam Matterface is, is looking at a perfect world. The, the problem with your cunning plan is the amount of self-interest uh, that it currently happens in football. I mean, it's Christmas time, come on. <laughs> but, you Think know, the Premier League are only out for themselves. The, the EFL were never going to agree to one-legged semi-finals in the Carabao Cup because they would have lost too much money uh, from television revenue uh, and the clubs from gate receipts as well. UEFA are pushing their own agenda. FIFA are pushing their own agenda. So, so the chances of... All those parties coming together, uh, even at this festive feel-good time, uh, I would suggest is very slim. Uh, Manchester United against Burnley then. I wanted to talk about Anthony Martial. He's told Ralph Ranick uh, in his, to his face, I want to leave. I've been here seven years now and I need something different. And Ranick says he's listened sympathetically, but ultimately nobody's bid for you. Um, so you can't really go anywhere unless someone comes in for you. Uh, the club need to replace him if anyone did come in because they're fighting on three fronts, he pointed out. And this is a guy that, let's be honest, has scored one goal this season. He scored four this calendar year and just eight since the start of last season. He wouldn't be the most difficult player to replace, would he? Let's be honest. Um, I mean, I remember that frantic deadline day when Martial was signed and it was seen as this massive fee for a teenager, all kinds of 
add-ons, including winning, winning the Ballon d'Or, I think it would be very interesting to see exactly how, man, how much Manchester United have ended up paying for Anthony Martial because I would imagine that he's missed most of the targets when it comes to the additional payments. He simply uh, hasn't proved himself to be good enough. As you say, seven years is, is long enough uh, to do that. But the reason nobody's come in for him uh, is because one of the more bizarre decisions that was made under the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer regime two years ago was to give an underperforming Martial a hefty new contract on wages of around £240,000 a week. We know he wants to go to Sevilla. They're not going to get anywhere near that. So the only way that Manchester United would sanction a deal, I think, would be to send him out on loan and pay a percentage of his wages. They're probably not keen on that idea because, as we've seen, in these COVID-hit times, you do need uh, as many first-team players in and around the squad as possible even if they're as average as Anthony Martial. But if, they, if they're going to pay half his wages, they might as well pay all of his wages and have him actually available for a COVID outbreak or an injury crisis, mightn't they? I mean, yeah. that, that, that's the situation. So as much as he wants to leave, you know, it's got to be on Manchester United's terms. And that's something that, that Ralph Rangnick has, has pointed out. Um, he seems to rule with quite an iron fist and I, I, I kind of quite like Good. it, really. Um, Ranić obviously has been disrupted but he's determined to make the most of it he said this week obviously we couldn't train so I spoke with most of the players who were either in isolation or positively tested Um, I spoke with 16 or 17 players individually over the phone to hear how they were and how they were feeling Uh, the players were then issued with individually tailored fitness programs uh, which they all took seriously good Uh, regular video calls were made between the fitness coaches and the players to help them with their exercises Uh, so he's obviously been working quite hard behind the scenes to try and get them prepared for the matches that are to come and there'll be quite a lot of them that, that doesn't surprise you I think the one thing that we, we knew about Ralph Rennick when he came in was his attention to detail the demands that he puts on players physically in training and during matches so as I say I think they will have benefited from the break and we, we should see a stronger um, more determined looking Manchester United because as much as they've tightened up defensively in the, the couple of league games that he's had they weren't impressive performances. So I think there's still a lot of improvement to be done. It's interesting you mentioned that he's been giving the players individual um, training plans away from the training ground. They're not the only club that have done that. I spoke to Ryan Fraser for Talk Sport last week and uh, Eddie Howe made the decision also to close their training ground just to try and uh, you know protect the players. And they were also given uh, training sessions at home. So maybe this is something that we'll see managers do more um, in the Premier League, again, to try and protect the integrity of the competition and keep the show running. Yep, okay. Um, well, my video analysis will continue this week as well. I'll just be sitting and watching. We'll have a podcast for you on Friday morning when you... Uh, you wake up uh, to look back on all the midweek action and to look ahead to what uh, should be quite an interesting weekend of Premier League action as well. We've got it all covered on TalkSport. TalkSport 2 and the TalkSport app. All the games are available on TalkSport this midweek, so make sure you are with us for that. That is it from Crook and I and from Trevor Sinclair. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, have a good day. Um, Thank you for all your support over the course of the year. Enjoy your extra slice of football this week. Stay safe, please as well. Are you waving goodbye to me with an elf? I am, mate. Just to try and raise your morale. Look, yeah, my morale's and, fine. Me and little, little Sam are saying a, a Christmas farewell. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll be back on New Year's Eve with another game day pod from TalkSport.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.